0: Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. I don't
1: think I've ever seen anything quite like this before. Uh, you know, Wobbles, uh, oh. I'm kind of mad at you. And as a reasonable man, I'm going to do what I was necessary to find a peaceful solution to this problem. Welcome to punching up the movie podcast where we take your favourite film, tear it down and potentially build it up again. This podcast is an international affair and in that it comes to you from Nottingham, England. Hello. And Sydney, Australia. My name's Damien and this is Adam Nightingale. Adam and I have known each other for over 30 years. We met at drama school in 1990 and we're both big film lovers. So we thought it was time to sit down and start a podcast in an arena that maybe doesn't need any more, but we thought, as the famous English film critic Barry Norman used to say, and why not? Today, we'll be tackling Mel Brooks's 1974 certified classic Young Frankenstein. Adam thinks it's not funny, and you'll find out what I think soon enough. So before we get into it, Adam, could you give us a little synopsis of the film?
0: Yeah, this one's a bit easier than the previous uh, episode, because it's... <laughs> Basically, lifting the plot of Frankenstein, which most people know about—a mad scientist uh, who assembles someone uh, out of bits of dead bodies and stuff goes wrong. But in this instance, it's the uh, grandson of uh, Victor Frankenstein, the famous uh, sort of Frankenstein from the uh, earlier earlier movies. Um, and he's ashamed of his family legacy, and you know, and, and insists that people call him Frankenstein to, to distance himself. He receives a a will from his dead um, grandfather that sort of seeds him the castle and the laboratory. And he goes there and tries to resist the temptation, the genetic pull to become the old Baron, ends up um, sort of submitting to this temptation, reassembling the monster, and then all sorts of comedic shenanigans (laughs) ensue involving um, his... uh, yeah, you know, the, the sort of grandson of Igor, who's this sort of um, hunchback, hilarious hunchback figure, and uh, you know parodies of uh, sequences from mainly Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, where the monster goes on the rampage, and there's big jokes about you know because the monster's bigger, is Willy's bigger as well, and uh, there's a musical routine um, that, that's uh, sort of visualised behind Damien where. In order to show that the monster's civilised, um, they put on a dance routine of putting on the wrist. And basically what I'm saying is, I haven't really got a plot. <laughs> After a certain point in their succession of sketches, um, sending up the mainly the first, two, the first three Frankenstein films with Karloff, Boris Karloff. And, and it, it has an array of comic actors, beloved to Mel Brooks, doing their turns and their shtick.
1: Amazing. <laughs> anything, anything you like? Yeah. Anything you like that's, to add to that? No, that's, <laughs> that's, brilliant, that's brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Um, at, at the inception of the the film. Yeah. So Gene Wilder was filming, uh, coming to the end of filming Blazing Saddles in 1973, yeah. and he was jotting down this idea for um, a new Frankenstein film, that, the the grandson of Frankenstein, as you said, and um, he was speaking to his agent, Mike Medavoy. Who asked him if he wanted to make a film with Peter Boyle over there? There, Peter Boyle and over on Adam's side, uh, Marty Feldman, um, and the reason being was that uh, Mike Medavoy represented both of those two and Gene Wilder, so he wanted to bring together a thing. And so Gene Wilder said, "Okay, I've got this thing, Young Frankenstein." He sent the treatment to the uh, agent, and the agent was into it. He, the agent, said, "Would you get? Would you be able to get Mel Brooks to direct it?" He said that. He wasn't sure Mel Brooks would do it because usually he does his own stuff. But he goes over to Mel Brooks, talks to him about it, um, convinces him, uh, ends up uh, Mel Brooks directing it and co-writing it with Gene Wilder. And funnily enough, the credits say Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks. So obviously it was Gene Wilder's idea. Um, And yeah, they write this film and uh, off the back of Blazing Saddles, And I think they start filming it in um, spring 1974, and it is released in December 1974. So by the time they're filming uh, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, I don't think, had even been released yet. So I think Blazing Saddles was both was released in 74, same year as Young Frankenstein. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, there's lots to talk about. Um, it was he, they wanted it filmed in black and white to uh, pay homage to the original James Whale 931 Frankenstein and the series that you just talked about. Um, the first company that they were um, originally going to film it with was Columbia and Columbia didn't want to give them enough money uh, and they didn't want to do it in black and white. So they ended up taking it to Alan Ladd Jr, at 20th Century Fox who agreed to the uh, black and white and a bigger budget um i think gene wilder had a stipulation that he didn't want mel brooks in the film because uh, mel brooks is like known to break the fourth wall and i think gene wilder wanted it to be a much more serious piece um, and i think the thinking behind it was the more serious it was the funnier it would be which yeah kind of works I, I i um i enjoyed it i i, I did enjoy it i did, didn't think it was hilarious the 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 funniest in the film were the women by far Madeleine Kahn is incredible. Uh, her first scene, that was where uh, I laughed out loud when he's saying goodbye to her on the train. Taffeta, darling. Um, brilliant. <laughs> it's really very funny. Her timing is ridiculous. Um, yeah. They did a lot of improvisation, apparently, during the film, and the set was meant to be the funnest set ever. Everybody who talks about anybody who was on the set or was around at that time um, just Yeah, lots of fun, lots of happiness, lots of frivolity, lots of laughs. And uh, and why not? It's a comedy that kind of came out and did really well. Yeah, did
0: did so well, did so well that it's uh, on the AFI um, list of 100 greatest comedies. comes in, I think. Let me let me check my notes. What number was it? I think it was. Let me have a look. It was number 13 of the hundred funniest movies of all time. Wow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and is largely cited by all and sundry as one of Mel Mel Brooks' best films, and one of the best comedies ever made. And <laughs> I've got an issue with it; otherwise, we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> I have to say, I like, I like, I do like comedy. I, I love, I love comedies. I actually really, really like Mel Brooks. I always, I always have memories of finding the film really, really funny, um, and then. I was this, this, I was I forced to screen it at, uh, at a film night or, you know, like a, a film club that I, I ran, which you, you attended one of my least successful screenings, didn't you?
1: It was a lot of fun. I did enjoy it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You came all the way over from Australia just to see yeah. me screen the favourites from an empty room of six people, all of whom were friends <laughs> of mine. But one of the most successful screens we had was a Halloween screening. And uh, I wanted to screen... Um, Another horror comedy, which is never going to be on punching up, uh, which is uh, Theatre of Blood, the Vincent Price horror comedy, and uh, the, the the lady, wonderful lady called Rose, who I work with in my day job, wanted Young Frankenstein, and we actually had a vote. We had a we had an online vote, and I lost by one vote, and wow. I didn't vote. I didn't vote. <laughs> you know and, and rose did so 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 anybody listening out there who's, who's apathetic about voting this is why you have to vote it's important to vote and um and, and so i had to screen you on frankenstein and i remember sitting there thinking all right you know it's gonna be fun i've, I've i accept a concede defeat i remember sitting there and just thinking when am i gonna start laughing and then and then and then my laughter turned to annoyance and and, and i'll tell you why Gene Wilder and Marty Feltman. I, I agree with you. I, I'm a bit ambivalent on the fence about Madeline Kahn, I have to say. Terry Garr, I think almost oh, wonderful. Steals, oh, Terry Garr is amazing. Yeah. I, I sort of love Terry Garr. And uh, maybe when I was in my teens, I was in love with Terry Garr ever since I saw her in Tootsie. I think she again she, I think she steals the movie from under like um, Jessica Lang's feet. And Jessica Lang got the Oscar and she got the Oscar nomination. I'm sort of digressing. But I, I think there was so much... It's weird that Mel Gibson... talked. Yeah, not Mel Gibson. That would be a completely <laughs> different film. <laughs> young Frankenstein. I'd, I'd watch that. I'd, I'd... Um, Mel, Mel, it's weird that, that Gene Wilder, who seemed to exert a lot of control over the film, and, that, and then in some areas ceded to Mel Brooks, was worried about the fourth wall breaking from Mel Brooks because there's so much fourth wall breaking, mainly yeah. from Marty Feltman, who just mugs... Like, you know, he's got, you know, he's obviously, for those who don't know Marty Feltman, he was, uh what can you, what can you say about Marty Feltman? I don't want to, I don't want to sort of just, 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 I, jab, jab.
1: he was a, he was an English actor that sort of came up around yeah. the time of Monty Python. He had very, yeah. it, Monty Python, Spike Milligan, um, a lot of those kind of surreal comedians from the 60s, English comedians yeah. that um, were just a little bit different and, you know, not run of the mill. And he's got these bugging out eyes and. Um, yeah. I think that kind of you know propelled him into mm. comedy stardom.
0: Yeah, and he is also a very, 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 very good comedy writer. So he wrote, I think he wrote he, I'm not sure if it was a four Yorkshireman sketch or the that 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 was the week that was class sketch. You know, I'm working for class, so you know, and I you know, with yeah. Ronnie Corbett and John Cleese and um, and he wrote, yeah, he wrote for Round the Horn, which I, I love. You know, I love, I love, I love the the radio show Round the Horn. And then he he, he started obviously appearing in his own stuff. And then he he, he appeared on uh, American chat shows or or, or or sketch shows. And he did he did. I think Gene Wilder noticed him on a Dean Martin show, and then wanted him in the film.
1: Sorry, um, sorry. Can I ask a yeah. question? Um, yeah. How. Uh, how did he uh, progress from England to America like I think
0: pe- people were just people were just looking to England weren't they because it was like you know you've got you've got the uh, the Cambridge Footlights people um yeah. you know out, out of whom came you know um yeah you know, it's like Jonathan Miller but you you also got most of the, the pythons and so you know it, like like all things in culturally in, in the 60s eyes were on England you know England was England was the place where the, the kind of set the mood set the trend. For a lot of a lot of what the, the rest of the western world emulated culturally and it was the same with comedy and i think he he'd he done a lot on television he had his own television show his own sketch show and you know comics watch comics don't they i'm always amazed what american comics know who the two ronnies are more and wise are you know and, and things like that and it, it would be the same here gene wilder just knew who he was you know he was big in England, so they started they tried they, they wanted to break him. And at that point, Mike Medavoy had signed him, so obviously he'd been doing something right. Marty, Marty Feltman is a funny guy. But you get the sense in this, he's getting this is his big, big Hollywood opportunity. And he goes for it too much, in my opinion. And so and he's encouraged by Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks absolutely encourages him to go as over the top as he can. And and, and it's sort of it's the first. It's it's, all, it's not the first time you see him, but when you see, there's the the there's a scene where the camera pans across the the brains and jars and the skulls and so I've got you. the image behind me. And the mm-hmm. first time you see Marty Feldman, he, he opens his eyes and he goes, "I ain't got nobody," like that. And it's just it's just a bit too much. And he continues and almost like escalates. And there's a sequence where Madeline Kahn gets out of the car, and he's oh, just perfect. like yeah yeah, and he's just like sort of gnawing on her. On her sort it's of fox bear. Out. Yeah. and it's just too yeah. much. It's it's too much, and uh, it, but then him and Gene Wilder seem to sort of encourage each other and escalate. And this and there's, and again, I'm a bit ambivalent about Gene Wilder. With one caveat, which we might talk about, is that Gene Wilder's funny. I think when he's when he's he's there's all, there's, you know he's he's a neurotic. You know his, his comedy persona is neurotic. There's a calm, and then there's a neurosis underneath it, mm. and then the neurosis breaks out. And he just he he screams his comedy in your face, and and um, and you know, uh, I sent you a couple of clips from producers. Yeah, so um, like. Prior to this, um, and 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 there's a scene where he hyperventilates with his blanket. The scene just goes on a bit too long, and then there's a bit where he's panicking and he's going, "I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous," and then he gets water thrown in his face. He goes, "No, I'm wet, I'm wet," and and and, and it's just, yeah. In the second half of the movie. Yeah, the, the comedy's like screamed at you by him and then you've got marty feltman mugging his mugging his face off and 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 it just took me out of the movie and i was sitting there and this is what happens to me I go from being bored to annoyed to actually angry <laughs> and then i started to question whether i like mel brooks at all and <laughs> and, and um and, and, and f- from that that point on um I've I've disliked uh, Young Frankenstein. What I do like about the film is, is it, I mean, there are sequences that work beautifully, and I think they're the ones where they're played straight. I think um, Peter Boyle as the monster is
1: brilliant. What What do you think yeah. about him? Yeah, I think he's amazing. Um, I, I, I rewatched. Um, I rewatched. Yeah, I rewatched Frankenstein, uh, the original, yeah. Yeah, and the Bride yeah. of Frankenstein yeah, um, yeah. on your, uh, the, um, you know, recommendation orders. and <laughs> uh, your orders. Um, Boris Karloff does a lot of that sort of uh, yeah. Uh, uh,
0: yeah.
1: um and and in fact there's a moment in Frankenstein where he's, he's running coming in the bride's room and he sees her and she's like screaming ah and he goes yeah. and it, it's, almost <laughs> like a, it's almost like it's almost like a pure comedy moment that could yeah. have easily been in young Frankenstein. Yeah. So I think what Peter Boyle then does is beautifully um Brings the humanity out with his um, growls and his guttural sounds and yeah. um, you know his non-language. It's funny in Bride of Frankenstein when he basically Boris Karloff speaks a lot. The monster yeah. speaks a lot, doesn't he? It's quite. Yeah, in like yeah, the second half he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he's brilliant. I, I, Peter Ball just in general, is a brilliant actor, and I think yeah, this is, is exactly. uh, um, you know a top performance from him. Yeah. Uh, the the snatching of the butterflies when yeah. the when the violin is great it's <laughs> funny as you said I think the funniest bits are the bits that are played straight which um I mean you know Madeline Kahn she plays it straight although she goes for the rhythm of the humor you know yeah. the first not on the lips when she when he goes to kiss her and not on the lips that was when I, I, I laughed out loud for the first yeah. time I was like okay yeah. and then the next one the hair the hair and then taffeta darling and then when she like you know hides away from the kiss that he blows out I just think it's a brilliant choice you know it's just it's it's so off-key and funny and um uh but yeah Yeah. all of Terry stuff, uh amazing
0: amazing yeah yeah she's great and um and yeah and and I think I think you know Peter Boyle although he's 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 funny but he he's he's utterly sincere you know so he doesn't doesn't I, I think it doesn't for a second really. I mean, there's there's a few, you know, in, in the more in some of the more like, saucy gags where about the size of his willy and his eyes kind of like winking at the camera, you know, that kind of yeah. like, mm, straight into yeah, camera. Yeah, obviously, yeah. so of playing it. But he, he largely plays it. And I think, I think probably like the best sketch, if you see it as a series of connected sketches, is it's probably him and him and Gene Hackman, because Gene Hackman has this incredible which he asked for. He really kind of campaigned to be in the film because he'd not done a comedy. And, and they pretty much beat for beat play out the scene in Bride of Frankenstein, where Frankenstein's being hunted, everyone hates him. Uh they they even if they don't, you know, even if you know they they scream when they see him and they run away. And then he he, he encounters a blind man, obviously can't see what he says. And um and, and the blind man just treats him kindly and and feeds him and gives him a cigar. And they sort of and, and the sight gags in that are very good, you know, like he's he's feeding him. Hot soup pours it on his nuts, <laughs> and, um, and then he's like giving him a cigar, sets his thumb on fire. But Gene Hatman plays that so beautifully. He's, he's so sincere, mm. and creepy as well. Because he's clearly kind of kind of there's, there's a lot of little sub, there's not too much comedic subtext in the film, but there's a bit where he, and they don't really go where you think they're going to go. Where the moment he, he starts to sort of feel Frankenstein, he's oh you're a big brute, aren't you? So, yeah. so, so, so it like it had had <laughs> the monster stayed there, he'd been groomed by this like old blind man you know but <laughs> both of them play it dead straight and 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 the jokes and the jokes and the situations and the sight gags and it and it's it's sort of beautifully done and i kind of wish the film was more that and and less bugging and mugging from um mugging you know, and muggins bugging and mugging from gene wilder and, 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 and Mark yeah Puff. i
1: agree with you i think um yeah. gene wilder definitely shouts too much Yeah, uh, yeah. I watched blazing saddles um again as uh as part of this and enjoyed him in blazing saddles much more than i enjoyed him in this yeah. he's, he's quite obviously he's a quieter yeah. like la- more laid-back uh, character yeah. Some of the jokes are sort of okay. And then I watched the producers for the first time. i have never yeah. seen the producers. I wouldn't yeah. have seen the producers had we not done yeah. this, you know? Yeah. Um, and for the most part, I enjoyed uh, the producers. I, yeah. I, I really liked Zero Mostel in it. I yeah. thought he was very funny. And he does a lot of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, but he's a, he's a seasoned sort of uh, comedian, isn't he? And, yeah. and not that Gene Hackman wasn't, but Gene Hackman, yeah, that whole sort of you like... Mean Gene Wilder? Gene Wilder, I say, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Wilder. Um, the the um nervous energy that he has and he builds it up into this, it's 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 almost it's almost punching down comedy in the sense that you're kind of having a dig at like somebody yeah. who has obsessive compulsive disorder, and it just felt not funny. It's like in um the producers where um the actor comes on to play Hitler, and he does the the uh, black about. voice. Black voice. Oh, oh right! Oh, so yeah. you know, and and I just didn't like it. I thought if he'd have played it as like a hippie and doing yeah. like a California hippie, I think it would have been much funnier. But the fact yeah. that he's trying to sort of be uh, to do a hey a hip black sort of voice at the time. Oh, are, are, are you are, are you talking about? Are you talking about, about the producers.
0: Oh no! no, no but are talking about the main guy? Was it Lucien Saint Dubois who ends up playing Hitler? Are you talking about him, or or another hippie in the film?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about him. Um, oh, I love him. I never, I never. I never saw him as,
0: yeah, I never saw him as trying to do a black voice in that. I've never. Yeah, if never, you listen
1: to it, mate, it's pure. Hey, I'm hip, man. It's like an yeah. airplane, sort of. You know, hip language, and I don't know. It just yeah. didn't. It didn't sit well with me. I thought, like, it's just a. It's a choice that I don't know that is that funny, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, anyway. Whereas weirdly, weirdly enough, weirdly enough. I mean, I, I'd always cited the producers as my favorite Mel Brooks film. And then when I watched it, I think, I don't think it is. I think I just really like the musical comedy in it. And I love, I love the, I don't know, you probably didn't like it, but I, I absolutely love the Love Power audition. So for those of you who haven't seen the producers, the, the guy that we were just talking about, um, uh, I think it's played by played by Dick Sean, who's uh you know, the hippie who they end up casting in a Broadway production of Hitler. You know, springtime for Hitler. He does this. Um, he, he, yeah, they do a pastiche, don't they? It was sort of uh, a sort of a 60s loving sort of mama's and poppers style song. <clears throat> and that 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 to this day is one of my favorite bits of musical comedy. I, I,
1: I, I, I th- Gone. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. And the
0: only reason I say that is to illustrate that one of the bits that works beautifully in Young Frankenstein is the musical comedy, you know, the putting on the rips sequence um, where you have, and again, that's played incredibly straight by um, Gene Wilder. And the, and, and the joke, if you haven't seen it, is that he's trying to demonstrate to the townsfolk that Frankenstein's monster is civilised and cultured. And so they, they um, he, you know, they do this, this soft shoe shuffle routine where Wilder sings all of the words to putting on the Ritz, apart from putting on the Ritz. and then he hands it over That's to, to Frankenstein, and and Frankenstein goes putting on the Ritz! and and it's a great joke, which they 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 kind of they, they kind of milk quite a bit, and 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 but it's just beautifully staged. It's it's a nice musical number, and I was thinking about all the things I like about Mel Brooks, and they're all musical numbers, really. Um, I I, I sent you the clip. Did you watch the clip of the Inquisition? What did you think of that? This is from History of the World Part One. And again, that's a yeah,
1: I think One I've seen the- History of the World Part One many, yeah. many years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Again, I, I'm not yeah. a big, huge fan of like musical numbers. Yeah, I know. I yeah. think they can be... It, 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 it's yeah. like you say um, about uh, taking you out of the film... It's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit too on the nose yeah. for me. Sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it's fun, but I'm, I, I don't gravitate towards it.
0: Yeah, this is where we really disagree because I absolutely love musical comedy. I, I love a, a really well-staged musical number. And I think as a sort of self-contained... I haven't seen The History of the World Part One probably since the 1980s. And mm. But I watched that one clip, and I think as a self-contained uh, sketch, I think it's brilliant. I think Mel Brooks knows his film musical grammar you know so obviously i i think he's lyrically so dexterous yeah and and he has that wonderful thing i like in comedies about you know i like smart stupid comedy so i like you know so obviously it's 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 a it's a musical routine about the inquisition torturing jews and forcing them to convert to christianity and it's just so funny and just so lyrically smart and dexterous. And just utterly base and crass at the same time. And then you have this like he's obviously had a lot of money, massive set. And uh, have got Mel Brooks legitimately mugging his face off, you know, playing Torquemada. And and then and then you have these sort of great visual gags, like referencing the Esther Williams swimming musical um, comedies, where you get all these nuns like just diving into a pool and 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 sort of swimming in synchronization around these rabbis that they're trying to convert. It's just I, I just think it's brilliant. And and um and I, you know, part of me thinks, why why do I like what is it about that? And what is it about everything else that Mel Brooks does on film that forms this sort of disjuncture where I like this, but this jars. There's two things I think that anchor Mel Brooks and make him genuinely funny. And I do think he's a genuinely funny person. And I like him. I like everything he stands for in the industry. We can talk about that a little bit later. But I think it's discipline. I think music imposes a discipline that his sketch comedy doesn't. And he just lets his actors run wild and he encourages them. Sometimes it works and sometimes it's just catastrophically self-indulgent. But the musical comedy, you can't improvise with a musical number. You know, it has to, you know, music, music is mathematic, it's rhythmic. You've got you know, you've got dance. You know, you, you can't do it. So so what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think his musical comedy is brilliant. Yeah.
1: He was a drummer. So ah, I, I did not out. know that. Yeah. 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 So I found that out. Um, I watched yeah. a, a documentary called... Yeah. Uh, Mel Brooks Unwrapped which I highly recommend you watch actually it's uh, Alan Yentob um, yeah and he what he does he goes back he he interviewed him in 1981 and then in the 90s oh no I have seen that yeah you've seen it yeah great yeah but
0: not for this program I just saw it so I remember it. Um,
1: yeah yeah. yeah, I'd never come across it before but uh, he was talking about the the rhythm of the drums and so it makes a lot of sense that his music and he's an incredible singer as well yeah Um, I've seen a clip of him on uh, Parkinson or something like that where he got up and sang a little did a little Dean Martin and beautiful beautiful voice yeah um very very talented yeah. as you say knows his way around musical numbers and and then consequently I think he knows about um uh the the rhythm of comedy yeah um uh Floris uh, leachman uh, we haven't mentioned yet and I think she's yeah. brilliant as well yeah, yeah. um uh from a blue ship yeah, yeah, I'll put in the horses um, every time we say a name. Um it's problems. <laughs> uh, When she's going up the stairs and she said, well, she, she did it, and then Mel Brooks came up to her and just said, OK, just slow down the treacherous yeah. bit. And so she does it again and gives that.
0: Stay close to the candles. The staircase can be treacherous.
1: And you feel the rhythm, you feel the... Um, The musicality of it. Uh, So yeah, I think I agree with you. I think his
0: his uh, "Springtime for
1: Hitler" is brilliant. Like that whole piece, I I thought was just amazing. Um, So funny, and as was the end of "Blazing Saddles" when they're doing the. when Dom DeLuise is directing Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and, 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 that, and that's
0: completely breaking the fourth wall in probably I the most complete, yeah. complete way I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and it is absolutely brilliant. Like, I was fully... Yeah. Like, that whole last section is just anarchic in a punk rock way that it's just... Yeah. You don't get to see in traditional uh, Hollywood films at all. And so, but, for that, but, definitely.
0: But also, really awesome. but also, I think the opening song to Blazing Saddles, which is really slight because it's, it's Frankie Lane singing, you know a song that, for all intents and purposes, in any other Western would be, uh, you know, just, uh, it, 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 you know, it would stand yeah. to open a sort of nineteen yeah. fifty Western, but what makes it funny is this, like, slightly offbeat whip cracking in the background, just
1: too loudly.
0: Yeah. And, and, and,
1: and too much as well, you know?
0: <laughs> slightly offbeat, and, and that's, where the, that's where the drumming comes in, because it's so perfectly, it's so perfectly this time. And yeah. apparently he didn't tell Frankie Lane he was going to do that. So Frankie <laughs> Lane's singing what he thinks is a straight song. And then all of a sudden they quit this, like, you know, sort of, sort of oh, ridiculous yeah. like, whip. So stuff like that. And I, and I think I think, I think, think the best thing, and this is a great advert for artists aging, I think he did his best work in his sort of later years. So I, I, I absolutely love, from top to bottom, the Broadway adaptation. Of the producers and, and, and you you what you would like about the producers is they the one song. There's only really two songs in, in, in the film, three songs, I think, like Love Power, Springtime for Hitler, and then Prisoners of Love that plays over the credits. Yeah, and, yeah. And of the two original songs, they remove, they completely remove um that entire character, Lucien Saint-Boubois. He's not in the Broadway production because it roots it too specifically in the 60s. And and so they removed that song, and because there's that discipline imposed from beginning to end, because it's a musical, it's hilarious. It's just genuinely funny. And 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 I I was listening. I hadn't listened to it, and I assumed it'd be rubbish because it bombed um, on Broadway. He obviously followed up the incredible success of the producers on Broadway um, with Young Frankenstein, and 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 I think it's the first two songs. Just called the brain, um, which again, you know, if you know, if you know musical comedy, it's just you know, there's there's the um, there's nothing like a dame from South Pacific and his and and just there's nothing like a brain, but the way he does it, it sounds a bit crass and obvious the way I describe it, but it's just so beautifully integrated in this song, and then and then there's a song I sent you, which is the Madeline Kahn character's big song called Please Don't Touch Me, which is
1: megan Mullally does well, it that,
0: right I, I was crying i think I, I think in that three three minutes i thought were well, funnier than the mm. whole of your frankenstein yeah
1: but it didn't work for me i mean it's yeah like, i know yeah it's, what, it's,
0: but what, what is what is what is it about musical comedy because we're gonna we're gonna force you to do i say we i'm using the broadway because only two of us yeah no, you and your I'm, two I'm mates gonna, behind gonna, you, gonna, you I'm, I'm, i've been working on you we're gonna have to get you to do a musical uh yeah you know just you can do the I whole genre if you want, but it's like, I don't help you know,
1: please. I hate I don't go. hate uh, all musicals. I'm just not drawn yeah. to them. I think like I, yeah. I like West Side Story. I, yeah. I remember I liked Fiddle on the Roof, although I haven't seen it for a long time. Yeah. Um uh I don't know. I maybe it's just so when we were at drama school, we were on the acting course, yeah. And there was <laughs> There was a there was a slight stigma between like you know uh, the actors and the musical theaters. It was like yeah. the actors felt like they were their Brando and the musical theaters yeah. were those tits and teeth, you know. Yeah. Um now I I I don't really fully ascribe to that subscribe or proscribe. Yeah. I'll cut out the ones that don't work. No, no, leave them um, <laughs> Leave um... off floors, okay, yeah. the floors hang out. I don't ascribe to them. Um uh, but Yeah, I'm just not drawn to it. I I mean, I remember when we first went to drama school, I'd see the musical theatre lot sat around the piano with like, you know, um, somebody playing the piano and then all of them around, there singing Les Mis. And I've never seen... One day more, weren't they? One day more. And they just... I I, I, I can't take it, mate. So... Yeah, and you know, I've done a couple of musicals. Well, I did a Panto, and I did a musical version of *Phoenix and the Carpet*, where I've had to sing, and it was yeah. fun. We did a little singing, a little dancing, and but yes, yeah, it's not it's not really for me. And we we and
0: we, we sang together in the uh, end of year drama showcase. Do you remember that? We, what did we, sang- we sing? You, you, you blocked it, blocked it from your memory. See, this, this is turning into a therapy session, listeners, because uh, da- da- Damien's hatred of musicals comes from PTSD as a consequence <laughs> of three years. Of going on to, we had to explain, we went to Guildford School of Acting, which is the top, or was, I like, probably still is, I don't know, top yeah. musical theatre school. But it did have a, a parallel acting course. It was top musical theatre school in the country and i think at that point i think the year before we started we, we both of us between us probably downgraded its uh status it was like the number one accredited drama school and then, I think and then we two. got there and it just plummeted yeah it just plummeted <laughs> and, and 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 we were forced part and parcel of going there is that you had to do especially in the first two years a degree of musical theater training that was imposed on you like singing in front of people purgatorial torturous dance lessons um first time well, actually, not the first time, but but the first time I'd I'd, I'd worn tights in public and uh, and, and in things public
1: like <laughs> <laughs> I can't wear
0: public as in amongst your peers and things like that. And So I, I reckon I reckon you're mentally scarred from. I mean, so it's, tell me is what this, like,
1: tell me what the song was that we sang at the end. Yeah, of I, the... I can
0: even it it was from uh, I can, I can, can I sing it I can sing it to you. if You like please? You know I mean? no, it, was, it was was it from? Um, oh, it was from Bandwagon. And it was. Do you remember, Mister Missus Whiffle Puffer liked to talk to Mister Hildendorf of the fatal natal day he had our silly willy, or something like that. You don't remember that at
1: all. I don't remember yeah. that. I definitely blocked that out. I mean, yeah, I know we did, we did Gilbert it, it, and it, Sullivan, didn't we? Didn't we do some modern major general business at some point? But
0: no, but we no, but we did. We did this in front of agents.
1: You know, we did that song in front. Oh of agents. right, I, I, I was probably hiding in the back. Just yeah, no, no, no. It was duet.
0: There was just two of us on stage for like one. Singing bar. that song. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I have no recollection you of it. that, mate. Yeah, this is it. He buried these memories. <laughs> Either you making
1: it up, or I? I'm, I'm not definitely... making it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe, you, maybe you. Maybe did it <laughs> with somebody this, else. Listen, so this is why he it hates
0: it was me. Me. you see what well, I was inoculated because my brothers. I've mentioned previously on a podcast. My brother, yeah. was a dancer from an early age, so I was brought up. And at one point, my brother was in the sound of music, like a you know, there's a touring production. He was in the sort of Nottingham wing of it. So, I, at one point, I could sing you the whole of the sound of music from beginning to end because my brother I've never was seen there. the sound of music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I I just, so I grew up around like ballet, musical theater, which didn't make it any less humiliating when for you made to do it I, yourself. Well, pro- well, probably more because I was like publicly reamed on many times for being like dancing like a crab. I was told in front of the rest of the class. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my brother joined the same drama school and he was a really good dancer and you had. He's in the first year, I was in the third year. And um, I was just looked at with absolute contempt by dance teachers who taught my brother and looked at me. And, you know, (laughs) I just felt like Danny DeVito in Twins. <laughs> you know when, when you get that when, I can't remember who says it. They talk about you know like they talk about the perfect specimen of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and yeah, and then all the crap that was left over went into you, me. <laughs> that's what I was like as a dancer. No, no dancing gene. The dancing
1: body. gene missed you yeah. basically and went straight into Mark. Yeah. And, and and I remember you can I'm going to
0: confess this is going to make me look ridiculous, but I remember you know watching watching all those people in the canteen at drama school around the, around the piano really going for it with one day more from and, and just wanting to be them. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. not now. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but at the time I was so envious of it, yeah. because I didn't know. And I even I even got I even got like a cassette for Christmas as my one of my Christmas presents of Lemes. <laughs> um, so there we go. So but, but I feel I feel that my life has as as before it, it sort of inoculated me against a hatred of musical not all of them i hate the summit, but i but i I love musical comedy and i like i like like
1: i like the songs in the wizard of oz i i i I, I like the wizard (laughs) of oz i mean i don't if somebody bursts out into song in some of the old films i don't absolutely always hate it but you know yeah yeah, i'm not i haven't seen mamma mia i can't i'm not going to go and see mamma mia you know that i I didn't like um what is it what was that film called moulin 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 rouge Oh, we're and gonna like, do that. You're gonna do that. Yeah, you have not, to do that as a punching yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, I don't wanna see so far we've had a bit of a theme, like you're the grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. who Basically hates everything, and I'm the yeah. sort of like the scales yeah. of justice going, Come <laughs> on, mate, be fair, be fair. <laughs> so, okay, you want me? I can play the antagonist, that's totally fine. Um yeah. well, no, no, I just want you to get better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just want to confront this trauma and move on. <laughs> Maybe enjoy um, music. Going back to Young Frankenstein, yeah. Kenneth yeah. Mars um yes. uh, was very funny as Inspector Kemp, uh, but he's basically doing a sort of uh, wound-up version of his character from the producers, right? Playing yeah. the writer. And and again, I I didn't find him that funny. I, I thought I thought
0: initially I was really amazed at his like physical comedy because he plays. Um, he plays the inspector who's had his arm ripped off in, yeah. in a previous Very strange lovey and mate. Yeah. And, and, and very, very, very good physical acting. But you, the first two times you see it. And then by the end, and I was I felt like his accent was a bit just too much. And, you know, just yeah. that kind of can't quite understand what he's the saying. He accent's
1: too yeah. much in the producers, though, as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's times not, he's he's just...
0: Not- yeah. bomb. No, no, just I'm gonna agree with you. He's not he's not my favourite character of the producers. I find that the bits where they go and visit him and he's like pigeon loft, just like the that's your pee break moment, isn't it? Yeah No, I no, I like yeah.
1: that. I, when he started yeah. to sing um, Deutschland Uber Aris, <laughs> like, that made me laugh. I just I liked his um uh yeah. uh, uh the intentionality of his character and yeah. um yeah, but him sat in the audience getting upset and trying to kill them and but yeah, I yeah. didn't mind him. I thought he was quite funny uh yeah. in it. But but the other thing that you put me
0: onto um, that I that I think um, makes Mel Brooks's non musical comedy excellent is another person to anchor him. So you um, prior prior to making movies, obviously he was a, he was known as an incredible scriptwriter. He worked with
1: Sid like, Caesar,
0: yeah, Sid Caesar, the, alongside um, Neil Simon, I think, or, and or Woody Carl Allen, yeah. yeah, Woody Allen, There's yeah, a bunch of them, and. Um, and then he 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 sort of uh, throws in with Carl Reiner and they do these phenomenal sketches called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. So you introduced me. Well, I'd heard of it, but you 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 pushed me in the direction of watching some sketches, which I thought were some of the funniest things I've seen Mel Brooks put his name to. Can you, can you explain the concept of The 2,000-Year-Old Man?
1: Yeah, so apparently they just used to do it at parties together. Um, yeah. And they kind of did it to just play off each other. Carl Reiner would always throw the sort of um uh the the most random kind of question and the, the premise is that mel brooks is uh is 2 000 years old and so he was around two thousand years ago and so carl reiner is a straight man from now was asking him questions about what it was like two thousand years ago and yeah. he would just make up the most ridiculous stuff um uh and obviously the 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 more ridiculous the question the 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 better the comedy because like Carl Reiner was saying that with comedians, when you push them into corners, they come out with their best stuff, you know, when they're and and I think that they just carried on working it and then they were told you might as well put it onto a record. You might as well. And I think they were a bit worried about that, that once they put it down, it would sort of lose its edge and lose its sort of freedom. Um, I think they put it on a record um, that Harry Grant heard and really liked and apparently played the Queen Mother at some point. I don't wow. Know if true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and apparently she really liked it. Uh, again, um, this uh, Mel Brooks told that story. Yeah, uh, and it's very funny, the 2,000-year-old man. And,
0: and, and I think the reason it works um, is because Brooks has someone to anchor him. So Carl Reiner, Carl Reiner's a funny guy, You know, for those who don't know, went on to, to, to achieve his greatest fame directing. A lot of Steve Martins earlier best comedies you know like the man with the two brains of the jerk and you know things like that and all of me don't know if i'm and, a big and,
1: steve martin fan by the way w-
0: well oh we can do steve martin then later on can't Please we you, you, yeah you gotta, you got to be careful like
1: vocalizing what you don't editing. like i love <laughs> steve martin we definitely <laughs> can't do him
0: but um yeah and, and 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 he's the father of uh rob reiner you know, direct, you know obviously directed like um Stan uh, yeah, Stand By Me, yeah. not out Misery, The Princess Bride, this run of the, when Harry Met Sally, this run of incredible sort of oh, yeah. uh, films in the 80s and early 90s. Um, and he he acts like, because I, I wonder if, like, the uh, the creators of Saturday Night Live's uh, weekend report watch this, because it's the same dynamic where you've got someone like Seth Meyers or Michael Che, who are brilliant comics, brilliant comic writers, but they elect to be the straight person to anchor an outrageous interview subject and, and and that's why it works. Again, because it's discipline. There's a discipline imposed on Mel Brooks. And I listened to a bit. I listened to a, a routine. And then I watched them do it live. Um, or, or rather, recording of them do it live. And the interesting thing is it's funnier when you listen to it. Because what you've got when you watch it is all of Mel Brooks's hand comedies, physical kind of, you know, sort yeah. of comedy. Which distracts is mugging yeah which distracts from the verbal comedy and so i agree but when you're just li- listening to them you, you have you know another comic earthing, a more archaic archaic oh, not archaic um anarchic chaotic comic personality yeah and what you have is this classic bit of comedy and so i i have to say no i i, I like mel brooks enormously and i always want to like his movies more than i do and and I love his musical comedy. I love his theatre work. I like him as a man um, and as a producer. He's, you know, he's 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 sort of basically launched or or, or elevated some very interesting careers because he produced The Elephant Man. Um, he produced The Fly. You know, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Yeah, you, know, you know, those are his two big sort of landmark movies, and then lots of kind of probably not quite as interesting, but. Sort of cr- creative uh, films that may not have got the green light had he not thrown his money and his weight behind it. Um, and I, I like I like the fact that he's a long time married man, you know, that his, his relationship with Anne Bancroft's very moving.
1: Mm, it's
0: beautiful. Or, or did you talk about musical comedy? Did you see? Uh, I didn't send you the clip because I thought I just drowned you in musical comedy otherwise. there's. Uh, I would have um, cancelled the podcast, mate. <laughs> yeah, had, I, know, I was like, one was more. Weird. If he it sends me be- one more, mate, it's yeah. over. In the comedy musical straw. The- <laughs> broke the Stog and Dance Camel's Back, if that makes any kind of sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And, it, and it was, because he, he did he did a remake of the Ernst Lubitsch uh, comedy, uh, To Be or Not To Be, which I, I remember seeing it at the cinema. My team's not very. You sent it me, the rap, the Hitler rap. Oh no, not the rap. That was to promote oh, okay. it. But there's actually a scene in, in in the film where him and Anne Bancroft sing Sweet Georgie Brown in Polish. That's the joke, but they do it perfectly. And it's fine in the film, but then there's a kind of, i'm not sure what program it's from it's like an audience with mel brooks and and they're considerably older yes Anne am still looking absolutely beautiful in a sort of probably late 60s mel 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 brooks calls her out of the audience obviously obviously set up because calls her out of the audience and they and they and they do the routine again as an old married couple and it's technically brilliant and really sweet and moving you know because they, they you know they've and I, I, like, I like the child they've raised. I like Max Brooks, you know, author of World War Z. If you ever see an interview with him, he's a fascinating guy, really interesting guy. He had a very, very, very kind of unique education because he had dyslexia when it wasn't being diagnosed. Now Bancroft took time off from a film career just to basically sort of home educate him using a lot of what, what would have been at the time sort of slightly unorthodox education philosophies when dyslexia wasn't being properly recognized to raise her son and he's gone on to become i think a brilliant Amazing. yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant novelist i i love well I, I love his bigfoot novel <laughs> um um dissolution i like i like i like the offshoots of world war Z. have yet to read read but he's he's a fascinating guy seems like a, a grounded solid incredibly talented guy raised by two hollywood parents who've stayed together you know so it's like so, so as, as, a, as a man i i i i Love and respect, as a, just as a generally creative person, it's just when he when he writes and directs his own movies from beginning to end. There's always yeah. these disconnects with the shouty, undisciplined, unruly. Um, yeah,
1: just I encouraging
0: like that. encouraging I, his comedy performers to, to to greater levels of excess that just grates with me. Oh, yeah. I
1: um, I like that. I think that's fine. Uh, it doesn't necessarily yeah. make me laugh. Um, yeah. Well, it's uh, a bit of, bit of think... a
0: problem with the comedy, though, don't
1: you think? Well, those bits don't necessarily make yeah. me laugh. But again, we're going back to like taste. <laughs> when I say I'm happy it's out there, just because I don't find it funny, uh, but lots of people do, great. Uh, it's giving lots of people joy, you know, like. Um, uh, and what I do like about it, or, well, specifically what I like about Young Frankenstein is the look of it. I think... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Gerald Hirschfield, yeah. um, the, yeah. the cinematographer, uh, lights it incredibly, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, absolutely.
0: It looks no,
1: like either. the 1930s. It's got yeah. the same feel, mm. and yet it's been made, you know, 40 years later. Let's mm. talk quickly about um, Kenneth Strickfadden, He yes. did the... Yeah. Um, the props uh that were just left in his garage. And um, I don't know how Mel Brooks found out and Gene Wilder found out about it, but they went, they asked him if he'd um yeah. if they could use it, and then they recreated the same laboratory yeah. in Young Frankenstein that was in the 19th 40 years later. And yeah, then well, gave li- him- literally
0: the same props, and they yeah. And, and, and he wasn't did you, sorry, did you forgive me if you just mentioned it, but he wasn't yeah, he wasn't credited, was he on the original? That's what I was just about to say. He oh, wasn't yeah, yeah. credited sorry, in yeah. the yeah. original.
1: So yeah, so they credited him in this, which was yeah. fantastic. Again, yeah. again which,
0: talk, which talks about Mel Brooks' integrity and loyalty, and yeah, he's very loyal to his actors. And, yeah, no, no, I agree. I think I have to say it's probably the most beautiful looking comedy I've ever seen. I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's it's just visually amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And it, yeah. especially like, like we did, you know, you watch the James Whale movies and then you watch his movie back to back. back, to back. Okay. James Whale's a very sly, very, very witty man. So there's a lot, not so much in the first one, but there's a lot of I think deliberate. There's, there's a little bit of unintentional humor. But there's a lot of deliberate humor, very waspish humor in, that, uh, in the
1: what's the name? The the maid woman. Like she's oh no, she's out she's a carry-on
0: movie. Yeah, she's awful. But um Dr. Pretorius, played by yeah. his, uh, Ernest Thessinger, is I think a phenomenal. I mean, he I mean he's genuinely evil, genuinely sinister, but he's really funny. And deliberately so. The sequences with with Doctor Pretorius in, in in Bride of Frankenstein all, almost render young Frankenstein being irrelevant because yeah. he, he's so funny, he's so dry, he's so waspish, and all of that's deliberate. You know, you know the, the whole effete thing. You know, I only drink gin. It's my yeah. only and then, I only smoke cigars. Yeah, my yeah it's my only weakness. And, 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 yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's and he and, I mean he and he what he was his, his reputation in the English. I'm just reading a bi- biography of John Gielgud. And he turns up in that, and and he was he was he he was one of he was one of the few like flamboyantly open gay actors in that period, and and they just push that. I think you know, right. just that it's a real censorbating performance, and that he is just this incredibly. Incredible, incredibly, like sort of waspish, gay character in the middle of this, um, you know, sort of horror movie, and and he is brilliant. He's, he's I mean, he's he's, he's graduated from being my favorite mad scientist in 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 any in any nice. film, and I think his scenes, he scenes. I mean, he plays it perfectly because he's 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 a, he's he's a authentic villain, genuinely sinister, and incredibly funny. And I think I think the scene with him and Boris Karloff in the crypt. Um, is it's funny. It's just genuinely yeah. funny, and it's just yeah, a funny yeah. exchange between the two of them. The fact that he doesn't know he's down there, doesn't know the monster's down there, he turns up, sees the monster, just ever so matter-of-factly, just adjusts and just talks to the monster as if he's he, 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 and, and it's just, you'd have to watch the, yeah, for, for the listeners or, or the viewers, if you haven't seen it, I mean, find that clip on YouTube or just watch the film. And I, I and I, I I think that that's arguably funnier um, in, in, in an enduring way than most of the stuff in young Frankenstein what what do you think
1: yeah I don't know that I laughed out loud um at the Pretorius bits I liked his performance um it was obviously didn't feel as as pushed uh comedically but yeah yeah, as you said I think that playing it straight yes it it felt like it kind of could have come out of young Frankenstein yeah um yeah i when I first saw Young Frankenstein, I was giving it a three out of five, but I think I might sort of push that to like three and a half now. Uh, um, there's, there's uh, but you know, like I said, the things that I enjoyed most were Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, and the amazing Terry Gar. So Terry Gar, yeah. Terry Gar's um, mother was the costume designer for Young Frankenstein, and Terry Gar asked her if there was anything in Young Frankenstein for her. Um, she said, Oh, well, there is there's Elizabeth, the wife. So yeah. they're having auditions. They go down to the audi- she goes down to a cattle call audition that apparently Farrah yeah. Fawcett's sat, um, goes in auditions for Elizabeth. And they say, Well, you're great. But uh, Madeleine Kahn's going to be playing Elizabeth. Um, they said, mm-hmm. So if you can come back tomorrow with a German accent, uh, we will consider you for the, the Inga, the, um, the 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 laboratory assistant. Uh, and so she was working on something where the makeup lady was German, a woman Renato. Yeah, it was, it, it was the it was the Cher, it was the share show. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it the Sonny and Share show? Yeah, the yeah. Sonny and yeah, Share. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and so she actually yeah, just bust off a German accent and um, yeah. roll 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 in the hay, um, yeah. and she uh, and they gave her the part straight away. And I, I think that's a, it's an amazing casting by far the best thing in Young Frankenstein is Terry.
0: Girl. I absolutely agree with you. And and responsible for the best joke and the cheapest joke in Young Frankenstein. Yeah. About it's the, the, the way knocker.
1: she delivers it, mate. What knockers. Oh, thank you, doctor.
0: That probably says more about me and makes a case for The film yeah. and against me, but my favorite and also
1: young Frankenstein yeah. musical that you sent me about uh, show me your tits yeah. or whatever again. That's yeah. another that was the one that you no, found but that, is, that's so. clever,
0: stupid. The fact that you have all you have this like escalating chorus number where they just, they yeah. just say tits over and over and over again <laughs> is is really funny. So, I don't know, you, you might win this one. I, 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 what I, I did watch it again. We normally do this, I forgot to say, I watched it again, obviously, and Damien. I found it a little bit funnier than I did the first time and less it's annoying. It's always the case, it, isn't it? It's always the case. It won't always be the case. But in this case, it is the
1: yeah. case. Yeah, I, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> so- I wonder... Yeah. I wonder if, um, see, what I've found so far, I mean, yeah. the first two films, 2001, Raging Bull, there were, um, yeah. I, I liked both of them. This one yeah. I was kind of ambivalent about. Yeah. But what I find is that when I then research anything about the films, I just start to yeah. warm to them more. Like, I just... I know like one of my things we've talked about this before I'm not going to harp on about it but one of my things is it takes an army to make a film and it's just easy for a critic to just go oh I didn't like that it was boring or it was this or it was that and it's like well yeah yeah, when you think about you know what it takes to make a film like you've got to kind of at least take a little which we have been doing anyway yeah Uh, yeah I've I've, I've never you know
0: I've, I've conceded I've I've, it's always been a qualified dislike. We'll get we'll get some movies like at some point that I actively can't stand from top to bottom. Yeah. Um <laughs> like I yeah, care. I want us to do. I, although I don't want to watch it, we're going to do something on some point on Alejandro Yodorovsky. We can put yeah. El Topo on the Holy Mountain, and I just I, can't I don't just, think those I've those seen El movie. Topo. But
1: I've yeah, seen I, Holy yeah,
0: we might do the Holy Mountain because that's fresher in my memory. But um, yeah, I don't I don't like. Yeah, let's this, save
1: that for a while, mate. Save that for season three or something. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just a final word about Gene
0: Wilder I've spoken of Gene Wilder um, yeah. I have to say I have met Gene Wilder um, and I saw him I saw him on stage um, you know uh, uh, when he, he did a Neil Simon comedy laughter on, I think it was on the 23rd floor which is all about Neil Simon's time in the writer's room um, working for Sid Caesar and uh, Gene Wilder plays a version of Sid Caesar and I have to say, it was one of the, the best experiences in the theatre I've ever had. He was astonishing on stage and largely quiet, I think. you know, So all the chaos and the mugging, um, very good mugging, it has to be said. It was done by all the character actors playing surrogates of like Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, I think Carl Reiner, Woody Allen. And he was just this kind of graceful, deranged sort of, comedy swan in the middle of it all and, and and so so just just to say something nice and and i i i uh i was just on stage door at the time it was it was it was sort of it was on in richmond theater where i was working before it transferred to the west end and i just had to, i just had to pass on a message from his wife so i had a really really boring mundane conversation that lasted probably 30 seconds with gene wilder and he was perfectly nice so, nice. so there we go. So, nice. so yeah. So there we go. Let's just end, end on 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 a grace note with June. G- I've just ended. The, I've just ended the episode. I'm sorry. Is, is that okay to just just wind it up now? Yeah. Anything fine. else you want to say?
1: It's fine. Yeah,
0: okay. and, <laughs> and, and, and and set up the next episode. Yeah, let's um, set up the next
1: episode. Yeah.
0: So so the next episode is my favourite genre. Which I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, so I'm gonna pick a film out of my favorite genre. Damien, what is my favorite genre of all genres? Western genre. The genre I love. Of the western. I love the western genre, um, uh, and I'm gonna pick a titan of the western genre to have a pop at. And then after this, you 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 have to like. It's, mine. You, it's you got, turn, You've got yeah. to, you, you've got you got to be the bad cop after this because I'm um, gonna we, retire
1: after the next episode, <laughs> mate. Well, I was <laughs> no watching
0: this, anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, so, and also, I've, I've noticed we haven't put any any email, any contact details where people can like send me their hate. Yeah, we
1: should and, definitely start saying like, uh, if you like yeah, it, please my, subscribe. My, yeah, give, yeah, us yeah. Good, yeah, give us good, give us good reviews on Apple and yeah. Spotify and all those kind of things, yeah, yeah. and tell your mates about it. Yeah. Anybody else is. Into and and films. put
0: my personal email address so
1: I get, I get. Yeah, it's all going to you, mate. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But but the the, the, the film, I think this will send ripples of outrage through the Western loving community. The the film that I've chosen to punch up at is Once Upon a Time in the West. So, shall we say goodbye to our listeners
1: and viewers? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Until the next (laughs) time from Sydney, Australia. From Peace. Nottingham, England. Oh sorry, I
0: just nope. stepped on your piece there. That's From okay. Nottingham, England. An apology to Damien and a goodbye. Goodbye. Until the next time. Until the next time. you have the last word. <laughs> Give us another till Peace. next time. Till next time. Peace.